0: that's safe and easy to use quality design state-of-the-art technology from noco your battery care source since 1914 get yours at geniuschargers.com do you love vintage cars then go to carsyeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic filler up book it's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Bob DeCorn. Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I put my helmet
1: on about 6 a.m. this morning, Mark.
0: (laughs) You were ready to go then. I love it. Bob DeCorn has been involved in marketing classic car insurance since 1998 and he's been fortunate enough to attend nearly every major Concours event in the country as well as all the classic car auctions for the past 17 years. His career brings him into some of the finest private collections in the world as well as many of the major automotive museums that we all love to visit. He's part of the Heacock Classic Insurance team and he's been an automotive enthusiast since he was about three years old. His earliest childhood memory was sitting on his dad's Zundpan 150 motorcycle every time he got his hair cut. Now that's cool. So Bob, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a little bit of time and share a little bit more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course your passion for automobiles?
1: Oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, the year for me was 1997, and I was kind of at a career crossroads. I was working at a, uh alpine ski area in management, and it was just plain burning me out. And uh, a very good friend of mine uh, from the ski industry, actually, was Megan Maddian. And at the time, she was the vice president for uh, Haggerty Insurance. Mm-hmm. And she contacted me, and she had a plan. She wanted to go to events. Specifically, she was thinking of Concours at the time and uh, market the collector car insurance for Hagerty. And so uh, I hired on, and literally two days after I hired on there, I was on my way to uh, Newport Beach to attend a Rick Cole auction.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Rick's been a guest on our show as well as McKeel Hagerty.
1: Well, yeah, you know, and, um, of course, my jaw hit the floor at my first experience there. Uh, There was a young man there with a very, very tall, beautiful, blonde wife. They sat right in the front row, and every time she would uh, give him a little smile, he bought a car. Oh, my. He probably bought 10 cars. No particular plan. I mean, I I recall a uh, 30s Chrysler and some muscle cars and a few sports cars. Kind of seemed like a little of everything, but... uh, I, I, when I first uh, saw that action, I realized that there was some real potential marketing that type of insurance directly to people at those kind of events.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Where do things go from there? Well, in 98, Megan and
1: I attended our first Barrett-Jackson auction, and that was, I believe, one of the first years he was at Westworld, you know, and had the big new tent. And oh, was, yeah. It was definitely rolling, and... uh we realized then that on-site, as those transactions happen, it requires somebody with some real automotive knowledge to actually be able to bind and insure those vehicles on the spot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that was where the vehicle transactions were happening. You know, So uh, we basically geared up for some travel and uh, started hitting uh, auctions all around the country, and it was a very effective uh, marketing
0: technique. Oh, absolutely. And I remember you and I met way back. In fact, you helped me insure my first collector car. Helping me understand how that all worked because my car was insured with my regular provider and they just didn't understand collector cars.
1: Yeah, I remember you sent me a picture of your son Blake at, I don't know, 8 or 10 years old or something like that with the car.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was our, our first kind of toy car was a Beck Spider and I just had Chuck Beck on the show yesterday actually and uh, you helped me get that car insured we went down and picked that car up and drove it back up the coast and uh kind of started started our fun with collector cars if you will and he just turned 21 so that was a while ago
1: yeah you know i remember uh going to tacoma to visit with harold lemay who was still alive at the time oh yeah and uh, we were uh, soliciting uh, his insurance business you know and at that time uh his collection was a little less organized than it was now, and uh, but we stopped by at uh, Griot's, and I think that's also where I met you early on in my career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really fun because you've been able to wrap your love and passion for cars, which goes way back, and we'll get into that with the questions around your career, your vocation, and that's what Cars yeah! is all about, and that's why I'm so happy to have you here today. As we continue on your journey today, Bob, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bob, take the wheel.
1: All right. This was uh, given to me, uh, shared with me by my wife. Uh, She deserves all the credit. And this one's kind of long, but stick with me. Okay. If there's light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. If there's beauty in the person... There will be harmony in the house. If there's harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And if there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world.
2: Wow. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, fairly powerful quote there, I think. And, uh, you know, I've I've always tried to live uh, making sure that family and home and personally those things are taken care of as my primary objective in life. And you know what? When you get those in order, everything else falls in
0: place just fine. Oh, absolutely. It's a wonderful quote. And are there some ways that you've incorporated that into your career as well and your passion for cars? Well,
1: yeah. At times, you know, I've had to make choices whether another business trip or another, you know, endeavor in business is is worth it. Or, you know, do I come home for my son's birthday or handle those kinds of things in a personal way. And it's a balance that we all face uh, all the time. And certainly, when you've th- there are times when I've skipped a birthday or two or, you know, been forced to. Yeah. But mostly, if you have the support of your family, if they're happy and healthy, you're a better employee and you're going to go out with a better attitude and be a, a, a better producer anyway. So why not start with the fundamentals? You know, to me, it's like the golf swing. I go out and I play golf. I'm not that good. But, you know, you, you hit a few good ones and you go, hey, I'm really playing good. And, bam, you forget about the fundamentals, which are the reason you're playing pretty good. You know, you're keeping your head down and so on. Sure. And I, I think that that works in life as well is, you know, don't get ahead of yourself and make sure your fundamentals are
0: solid. Oh, well, I think it's worked for you well, Bob, because every time I run into you and I see you at all the car events that I'm fortunate enough to attend, you always have a big smile on your face. So I think it's worked really well. Would you share with me a story that instigated your passion for cars? I know it goes way, way back, but is there one pivotal moment you can remember that you knew, hey, I'm a car guy?
1: Boy, I go back to a motorcycle trip that I took uh, fairly soon after high school. You know, I I did what all dads are afraid their sons are going to do, buy a hot motorcycle and, you know, say, hey, I'm taking off for the summer and I'm cruising to California. Well, my dad actually supported me in that effort, and I'll never forget, I was a day or two away from taking off on my 71 Honda 750. It was a great motorcycle, and you know, I went through some steps to prepare and and pack and, you know, make sure the bike was in great shape and so on. And then I, I received a package from my father and it was a leather jacket and a bell star helmet. And he didn't have to say he loved me at that point because he was just taking the steps that he knew if something bad happened would, you know, potentially save my life or certainly uh, minimize injuries and so on. And, uh, right. He supported me all the way through that. And, uh, that motorcycle supported me as well. I actually had intended to just ride it one way and then sell it in California and get a plane ticket. But I had such a great time on the way out, I turned around and rode it back.
2: Oh, uh, wow. uh,
1: That was a moment when I realized that those uh, vehicles can change your life and can bring you experiences that you never would have had otherwise.
0: Oh, fantastic. I love that. And I'm going to have you real quick share that little story I kind of alluded to when you were little, little tyke. You didn't like to get your hair cut unless you were sitting on something special, right?
1: Yeah, my dad always had motorcycles, and you know, one of my favorite things as a boy was to go for a ride, you know, with him. And uh, things were a little different in those days. You know, he'd actually sit me on the tank in front of him. Yeah. Always with a helmet, I'll say. But you know, I don't know if that would fly in today's world sure. anymore but uh, <laughs> we certainly did it and uh, yeah when i was a little kid he would give me a brush cut every few weeks you know and uh, and the only way he could get me to sit still was to put me on the motorcycle which guaranteed i was smiling and happy he could have done anything to me at that point yeah that <laughs> helped, helped him uh make sure i sat still while he uh, gave me the buzz cut
0: i love that i love that story Bob sent me a picture of of him. How old are you in the picture you sent me? Are you three or? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a great shot. Great memories. So, Bob, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood here and ask you to share a story where you had a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced perhaps in your career, but the most important part of this is how you overcame it, and the even bigger, more important part of this is what you learned from the experience.
1: Well, I'd have to say one of the bigger challenges for me was uh, somewhat reinventing myself after I had uh, left the employment of Hagerty uh, insurance. Their business model had changed and you know in the past we were producers, we would actually bind on insurance. I mean, I bound in Monterey on millions of dollars of cars as they were literally driving away and that was my job. Mm-hmm. When their business model changed to more of a uh, corporate Mode, and you know, they, they were big enough that they had a full time call center and so on. They no longer were uh, allowing us or encouraging us to go out and make those personal contacts and so on. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when we parted ways, it, it was because I was paid as a producer who was no longer producing, you know, and yeah. as I look back on it, it wasn't an easy time for me, but it's, it was certainly understandable. So it was a moment of reinventing myself, and I, it was a challenge. But uh, I turned to the friends that I had in the industry and decided I wanted to stay and uh, actually went to work for worldwide auctioneers, Rod Egan and John Cruz, and created their catalogs for a couple of years there. Oh, nice. Which was, what an education. I mean, my job was to talk to the guys who were letting their cars go, was to get the facts, was to do the history and the research and create a description that was ex- Extremely factual, but also, of course, putting the car in a positive light.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, dealing with the the collectors directly was what I did when I sold insurance. It really wasn't uh, wasn't all that much different. I was just simply producing the story. From there, I got to consign cars and work, you know, uh, sort of on the inside of the auction business. And even though I don't work for Worldwide anymore, those guys are great friends. And actually, the last couple of years, I've been announcing their auctions uh, with Rod Egan, who's one of the great auctioneers in the business, you know. So I get to see my friends, kind of keep my finger in that market just a little bit. And uh, they, uh, I'll always be grateful to those guys because they really helped me through what was a bit of a tough time there and helped me reinvent myself.
0: Yeah, such an important thing to do for for anybody, and a difficult, difficult thing to do. I fully understand that as I created this concept of cars, yeah, and reinventing myself, so I was right there with you. But staying in the car industry, the car hobby, where your passions lay, I'm so happy you're able to do that as well. That's cool. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum, and I'd love for you to share a story with me when you had a real aha moment in your career, a time when you realized that an idea or a concept was really going to make sense, and and help you achieve your goals, and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success.
2: Well,
1: I'd have to say, when you look at the uh, dollar impact of an aha moment, when we first went to Barrett-Jackson and realized that with the right skilled people in place, we could actually bind on insurance, which meant not only were we going to get that car that the guy just purchased and help him at a point where he probably wasn't sure it was insured or not with his old guy, right? Mm-hmm. But also, by uh, having that sort of helpful, on-the-spot-here-we-are sort of an attitude, generally those guys who were buying cars had a few more in the barn at home, too, you know, and sure. uh, ended up being a, a tremendous way to develop uh, relationships there. And quite honestly, uh, my, my former employer, Haggerty Insurance, uh, certainly... Uh, took full advantage of of that knowledge and and did a fantastic job marketing their products. And they were kind of alone in it back in 98. Uh, But uh, obviously all the competitors uh, soon realized that that was a viable business uh, source and just about everyone does something similar to this day. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But boy, when we realized that you have to think outside the insurance box, you have to be a car guy to be able to look at a vehicle and say, yes, I agree, that's a $100,000 car, and here you are, sir, you're protected right now. Boom, at this moment. That was fairly radical at the time, and uh, it it, it goes against typical insurance thinking, but it was also one of the engines that really drove this business and, and continues to for... For Haycock and for Haggerty and you know Grundy and all the other uh, folks who are in the business
0: to this day, right? Well, providing that confidence to the car owner that that dream he just purchased that it's going to be safe and secure should something terrible happen to it is a, a huge load off of all of our of us enthusiast minds when we have something that's special in our lives. So it's great. How about proudest? Career or business moments? You've probably had so many, but is there one in particular that really stands out in your mind?
1: Well, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, I, I, the first time I had the guts to go walk up to a guy and bind on a multi-million-dollar car right on the spot—car he had just bought fifteen minutes ahead, you know, before that—that
2: mm-hmm.
1: that was certainly a, a proud moment at the time. I thought this is either career suicide or my proudest moment, and it turned out to work out just fine, you know? Yeah. You know, as far as notable guys, uh, I was fortunate enough to be involved with uh, with Jay Leno as he uh, came aboard with the policy. Oh, fun. And, uh, you know, I had met with him, and then I, we were back in the office, I was on the phone, and... I was speaking with his uh, personal assistant, Justine, and, and Jay grabs the phone. He goes, Bob, this is Jay. Now, I can drive any car I want, anytime, right? Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to call anything. I, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we went through all the details on his policy. <laughs> and then I said to him, I said, Jay, I just want you to know I'm selling you this policy at half the price of Dave." meaning Dave Letterman,
2: Uh. and he
1: cracked up. He cracked up. He laughed for 30 seconds. And I actually successfully cracked up the king of comedy. Yeah. That's how it felt to me, you know. And he handed the phone to his assistant and said, Justin, let's do this. I like this guy.
0: Boom. Oh, man. Yeah, that is a proud moment. a proud
1: business moment. He's probably one of the more famous car guys in the world at this point.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. To get him to laugh, yeah, there's a proud moment. Maybe that's your next career. I know you're a musician as well, but you can do comedy, <laughs> music, and and you can bind contracts, man. You can do it all. That's cool. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it, i got to say, too, that uh, equal to that was the day that uh, Ford Haycock III called me and uh, was kind enough to ask if I was interested in coming to work for him.
2: Uh, oh, wow. Uh,
1: I mean, to be... Uh, yeah, I don't know what you call it, head hunted or, or, or sought after a little bit, you know, certainly feels good.
2: Oh, yes. And when
1: it comes from a guy with the experience and the solid business that Mr. Haycock has developed, uh, that was certainly a proud moment for me as well.
0: Oh, it's got to be, and I, I, I'm hoping I can get Ford on the show as well because uh, I do respect what he's built there in his business. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car and perhaps you can share a memory you had with that vehicle.
1: Well, the first car I bought with my own money was in 1972, and that was a 1954 Chevrolet, just a regular four door Bel Air, six cylinder, three on the tree. And uh, I actually bought it from a friend of mine, Dale Vanerjack, who had driven it from Oregon to northern Michigan, where, where I live, and we were living at that point. And it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen my dad thought i had gone off the deep end you know why are you buying a 22 year old car yep. like all your friends want toyotas or hondas or something at that point you know and yeah. uh, and we had a great time with the car it proved to be extremely reliable And then I got back in my dad's good graces when I flipped it for twice what I paid for.
0: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it's always good to say, see, Dad, I made a good choice.
1: (laughs) I I did the right thing, Dad. Yeah, absolutely.
0: uh, How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've had that you let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage?
1: Yeah, that would probably be, I had a 59 uh, MGA. Oh, nice. That was, uh, and that was the end of high school. You know, I actually drove it to my high school graduation and all that kind of stuff. And uh, like most guys, I, you know, I couldn't keep every toy that I, I wanted to. And but that would be one I'd love to get back, just for
0: you know sentimental reasons. Oh sure, sure. How about current projects? Is there anything you're working on, or since this is the new year that's coming up in 2015, that really has you excited and fired up?
1: Well, obviously keeping a couple running that are in the garage—that's a uh, part of the project, but that's part of the fun too, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, having cars that are not essential to your daily life certainly gives you uh, an amateur mechanic such as myself a little uh, a little grace there. But um, can you? keep a secret nobody's going to hear this no no
0: nobody's listening to cars okay Okay.
1: there is locally um a 1952 buick that i'm trying to purchase Mm. and this thing is so cool it's got a rotted out interior it's got terrible floorboards but the body is patinaed perfectly i mean it looks like one of those cars of cuba right Yeah, yeah sort of been used but not it's not rusty other than the floors and uh with any luck, I, I hope to bring that home. And this one will be a the only time I've ever done a car that I, I wouldn't paint. I would clear coat over what it is there, and probably Mexican blanket interior, you know, yes. and uh, and uh, who knows, uh, homemade floorboards, I guess. And. And uh, never had one like that, but this one has me a little excited.
0: Well, that sounds pretty cool. You know, one of the guests I've had on the show is Jonathan Ward of Icon, who builds those fantastic, yeah, four-wheel drive fields. But he's also into the exact kind of car you're talking about. And he takes those things and restores them and fixes them up, but leaves a beautiful patina on the paint. And I have another friend, uh, Bruce, who's done the same thing with an old car. In fact, he even had his painters create a patina on a car. And then mm-hmm. clear coated. So So, uh, yeah, you'll have to check out some of the stuff Jonathan's building and give you some more inspiration. But can't wait to hear about that landing in your garage. We won't tell anybody what's going on here. So.
1: <laughs> Price just went up, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that.
0: Now, here's a funny question, Bob. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why?
1: Well, I think I'd like to be a 67 Jag XKE Roadster because everybody thinks I'm sexy, but uh, (laughs) uh, more likely I think I would probably be hmm, maybe a, a Jeep from the late 40s or 50s, rugged, reliable, easy to fix. Or I could also say, I guess I know what I'd be. Uh-huh. I'd be a, a, a BMW motorcycle, you know, boxer twin, typical 60s and 70s type. Yeah, yeah, solid. you can ride them forever, and they run like crazy, and they're they're just wonderfully engineered pieces of machinery.
0: Very nice. I think you're the first guy who's a motorcycle on the show, so that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> so I like that. This is the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you're going to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yes, sir. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, that's easy. I was sitting in Tulsa, Oklahoma with Jerry J. Moore, a legendary collector with dozens of Duesenbergs in his collection at that point. He looked at me, and he goes, Bob... You can have just as much fun with a $5,000 car as you can a $500,000 car.
0: There you go. Perfect. I love that. I had a guest on the show, Lance Lambert, who's a TV personality, and he said the same thing. He said, you know what? Give me $5,000 and I'll find you a collector car that can get you into almost any car show. Maybe not Pebble Beach, Amelia Island. But you'll have just as much fun as the guy who has a Duesenberg or a Ferrari. And I think that's true. Anybody can get into the collector car ha- hobby. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes?
1: Well, I'd have to say, you know, uh, honest friendships. Uh, don't burn any bridges because your true friends, they never leave your friendship. Yes. Um, and and that's, I guess, been my biggest success in this business.
0: Oh, uh, yes, definitely do you have a resource that you could share with the Cars Yow listeners that you're really fond of? I know there's so many out there, but maybe one in particular that you really enjoy perhaps a website or maybe a blog that you receive.
1: Boy, you know, there are a lot out there all with a little bit of uh you know, unique angle just on the real practical end. Randy's, uh, bring a trailer is uh. obviously fun to look at. Uh, right now I've got kids in college, so I'm dreaming, but, uh, other than that, uh that's where the bargains go through in the cool cars. Uh yeah. I really like Bold Ride also. But mostly it's your car guy buddies, you know. It's uh it's Tom Cotter and Alex Finnegan and Jamie Kitman and Michael Furman and all those guys, you know, who yeah. they're on the inside and, and it's nice of them to share that stuff with me.
0: Well, you've listed a couple guests here on cars, yeah, Michael Furman and, and Cotter and uh, Randy, of course, from Bring a Trailer, they've all been guests here, so I'm I'm happy to hear that, and uh, we'll make sure that we post all those links up to your show notes page. And listeners, you can find everything at carsyad.com slash bobdecorn. Just type Bob into the search box, and his show notes page will pop right up. Now, Bob, do you have any other interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars?
1: Well, you know, I do like to play golf a little bit, but I'd have to say uh you know, I'm, I've am i been a musician my whole life and have played in a number of bands here and there. And uh, the current band I'm in is called the Corvairs, oh, funny enough. Very cool. Uh, unsafe at any speed. And uh, <laughs> those guys have been together about 15 years, and so they're great friends, and uh, and we like to think we uh, we provide some decent entertainment.
0: Oh, I love that. You're a bass player, is that right? I'm a bass player in that band, yes, sir. Very cool. I love that. You know, it's interesting how the correlation and relationship of music and cars Stacy David was just on the show, and he was a musician for many years. And Chuck from uh, Zymol, uh, Chuck Bennett sure. from Zymol was on, and he's a big-time guitar collector and loves to play. I think he plays the bass as well, so really funny how these things all tie together. All right, it's time for the checkered flag. And Bob, this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you want today what would that vehicle be and why?
1: You know, uh, that one's pretty easy for me and I have to thank my friend uh, Peter Hageman who took me for a memorable ride at some RROC event many years ago and the car would be a 29 four and a half liter supercharged Bentley Um, and we had such a great ride and then I've been able to see that car, you know, several times since. We were on the Pebble Beach Tour, and it's, you know, Cars Famous. It's been shown all over the place, and they are just such brute, raw, purposeful, early cars that, uh, yeah, that one would never leave my garage if it ever got there.
0: What was it about that vehicle and that ride that just pulled on your heartstrings?
1: For one thing, Peter knew that car inside and out, and in 29, you know, there's certain things that require uh, some uh, manual aptitude and mechanical knowledge, you know, and it was obvious as we took off that he was fired up to drive this thing. He knew exactly what to do. The car started, it was powerful, brilliantly styled, and uh, it just, it struck a chord with me. You know, I'd been a British car guy my whole life, but all I could afford were MGBs and MGAs and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, And that Bentley was like, it was like a TC or a TD on steroids. Oh, yeah. Just like big and brawny and loud and and the one that Peter has beautifully tuned and, and wonderfully prepared, you know. And it was pretty much a perfect motoring day that day. It's a day certainly I'll never forget.
0: Well, Peter's a great guy. I've known him for almost 20 years, and I had his son Paul. Eggman on the show here. So um I'm hoping to oh, get Oh yeah. yeah, Paul's a good friend too. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I've I've been lucky, you know, I've gotten to ride with Sterling Moss and I've gotten to take laps with Bondurant and you know, I drove with Marv Jenkins who is Ed uh, Jenkins son and you know, good friends with designers and you know, Wayne Cherry, I we talked almost every day and Peter Brock is a good friend. So certainly been blessed to uh get to meet some of these guys who are true legends in the
0: business oh definitely definitely you had a great time well bob you've taken me on a great ride today and i really enjoyed your stories i want to thank you for sharing your journey with me could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in peters bentley
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, well i guess you know not thinking insurance here but you know just old cars in general the trick to having fun here is to buy what you love and buy a car you can afford and enjoy it for a long, long time.
0: Yes, absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Heacock?
1: Well, we have a great website. It's Uh, uh You can certainly Google search us. Uh, the, the company is in uh, Lakeland, Florida. And uh, if you Google search our, our owner and our founder, Ford Haycock III, you'll also get quite a bit of information there. He, uh, he founded the SVRA and is a a tremendous auto enthusiast who's just a quality guy and couldn't be happier to be uh, involved with the ACOC Classic team.
0: Well, it's a great website you guys have there, and I've been to that and wandered around there, and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, listeners, you can find links to everything here that Bob shared with us, again, at com slash Bob Dickhorn. Bob, again, thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the CarsYout listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Mark, thanks very much. And I hope you and uh, Blake and your whole family have a great New Year.
0: Well, thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up